welcome, friends, to episode number one of Ice Cave Radio. Is that what this is all about now? Yes and no. It is episode <laughs> 32 of the show or episode one of season two. Yeah, I guess we can kind of sort of approach it in that capacity. Uh, we took a little bit of a break. We had a week off. Uh, I was in New Zealand. Uh, you were busy. Doe was busy. It was kind of a, a hectic week for a lot of a lot of us. Ultimately, uh, we cannot just skip two weeks in a row. That would be blasphemy. We we also didn't want to. Like as much as we love this show, sometimes life gets in the way. But here we are. And I suppose that we'll we'll do the natural, the standard opener here, and then we'll get to the, a little bit of the name change. That could be kind of like a headline, but uh, it is a podcast about Star Wars Unlimited, the card game, as well as every other Star Wars card game that we like, and any other Star Wars culture that we tend to dig into. Flake with Charmer, how are you, buddy? I... Why would you ask me that question? I know that you've you've had uh, a rough go. Like, you've had look, a rough go. Um, I I've had a, a rough couple of weeks, and I am currently unmedicated. So uh, I will not answer this honestly, and I will say I am fantastic. And but I am legitimately excited for a number of reasons. Some I can talk about, and some I cannot. Uh, keeping it Star Wars uh, related and things that I I can talk about uh, the newest trailer for bad batch is out and something that i'd been saying for a while is happening i'd been saying for a while man i loved asajj ventress as a character and now that we got live action ahsoka i really wanted her to come back i think her arc is uh very riveting and engaging and i just really liked her as a character and i'd been kind of saying you know if darth maul can get cut in half and come back like they need to bring back my ventress and then they teased it and confirmed it in the Bad Batch trailer. So uh, not only does that mean I will get more Star Wars content with one of my favorite characters, but also uh, that means potentially a couple of different versions of her in future sets, right? Like I expected to get some version of her at one point or another, but now I'll get, you know, the bounty hunter version and the, you know, Sith version and then whatever this new version is that looks really cool yeah so I'm, I'm excited for that like that's i'm doing well there no there's a lot of good stuff coming up here um but ultimately we do have to get to the business so hey this isn't my job this is your job well, so here's the thing i don't know how to do this and we didn't actually talk about oh, this yeah, ahead of time so oh, uh, oh i it, got it i got it. the the cave pole of the week <laughs> or or is it is this when we debut the mascot no the well we could name? we could because the video already played and there was definitely a wampa in there and it's not like we don't acknowledge wampas wampas are part of star wars lore and they're an important element to everything but our own mascot which uh you know what we'll just do it right now with the magic of things beep there he is we are now ice cave radio and we'll dig into that a little bit after the the poll but if you notice that isn't a wampa even though his name is wampo he is wampo which also as very uh, astutely described by you as being a very sad clown <laughs> No one wants yeah. Wampo at the party. No one wants to hire Wampo the clown, but we have Wampo the cave monster who is here. 
No horns, but he is listening to some sweet jams and some sweet beats, possibly listening to Ice Cave Radio because that's his environment. Yeah, he is the abominable swoo man. Not snowman, <laughs> swoo man for Star Wars Unlimited. That's a good one. He is the abominable swoo man. I, I kind of like that. So uh, meet, meet, meet Wampo, our uh, Ice Cave dwelling sad monster who just just wants to play cards that's wampo but we are ice cave radio but we do have the uh cave pole not the wampa cave pole just the cave pole so the cave pole is this week which uh was from a a couple weeks ago but still it, it still stands tall it is you're playing a star wars dating sim who do you try to woo? Who do you try to swoo or woo? Your your options are Emperor Palpatine, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and C-3PO. So, Charmer, who mm-hmm. did you decide that you wanted to, to woo of these four? So I voted for C-3PO, and my reasoning was... Actually, based in, in logic, but also I'm going to be honest, I thought he was going to get like no votes. And so I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad for the fella. So we're going to throw in a, a vote there as well. But there was some logic. Uh, my thought process was uh, C-3PO is a protocol droid trained in lots of languages, and that probably includes love languages. And I need somebody who can learn to appreciate me for me. Also, uh, Emperor Palpatine is just not a trustworthy dude, and I don't feel like even in the dating game uh, he's going to be any better. So then, you know, you've got the other two left, which are, of course, Luke Skywalker and and Princess Leia. And the problem with dating either of them, like, don't get me wrong, fantastic characters, um, wonderful people, but and and they'll be the first to tell you. You have to be careful when when you're dating because you might find out that you're their brother or sister. And so I just didn't want to risk it. Right. I know I'm not related to C-3PO, so I don't need a force ghost to later on tell me that one of them is my relative. So I went with C-3PO, the protocol droid. See, that's the beauty of all this, because Ancestry.com or Ancestry.ca or whatever, that's a thing now. So, I mean, you could kind of circumvent that by slapping down like 50 bucks and saying, hey, I kind of like you, Princess Leia. So we're going to do a little bit of, of, of you know. Now swab your cheek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kiss, by the way, that was just to swab. Yeah, exactly. Then I walked away like, okay, take the saliva off. Send it immediately. I need to find out if there's a second date. Uh, I I select, look, I, you're, you're spot on. And part of this is the fact that there is a Star Trek Next Generation episode, I think in season one, where Data... And like Tasha Yar have have a meaningful romantic relationship where he, if I remember the quote correctly, says that he is programmed in multiple uh, styles of pleasure and such like that. Like he he it's in his neuro in in, in his positronic net, like in his positronic yeah. brain. He knows how to make things happen. C-3PO? C-3PO might know the language, but God forbid it's a forbidden language that he can't speak. But, and here was the other part of my thought process, because I thought this would come up. If he doesn't know it, I have confidence in Babu Freak to make it happen. <laughs> he's like the love guru. <laughs> Babu Freak shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, but he, he touchy. Is, he, 
Babu Freak is the the day job, but when you bring him these kinds of problems, he's Babu Freaky. Oh. <laughs> so Babu Freak is there. I would rather date Babu Freak, frankly. Well, yeah, but he wasn't on the. No, pole, he was so. definitely. That would be too. That would be too too easy. Just Babu Freak, sex machine. <laughs> um, I selected Princess Leia. Because not just because it's the easiest thing here. Partially, it's because if it's Luke, I don't want to be like, but Uncle Owen, I don't want it. Like, I don't want to listen to that garbage all day long. Um, Princess Leia is a strong-minded, independent, just get-it-done, ambitious person. And she fixed Han Solo. Like, you know the whole thing of, like, I can fix him or I can fix her? She did it. Like... Han thought that he was the one who was going to just sort of pull the strings in that relationship. But as you see in the movies, as well as in the expanded canonical books, she, she he basically just he knows his place and she gets stuff done. And, and part of the appeal for me of being in a relationship is less decisions, frankly. I don't want to decide stuff. I have enough going on. So if Princess Leia is just there... I mean, short of just sort of laying my clothes out on the bed, but ultimately they pretty much wear the same thing day in and day out, so I don't think that's even a factor. But I mean, Princess Leia is a solid option for me. It's definitely a lot, yeah. not Luke. A fantastic option, and let me also just say, filthy rich, right? Oh, that, God. that helps in yes. the dating scene. But you know, you mentioned the outfits, and then I immediately like my mind started spiraling uh, due to the lack of medication, and I was like, yeah, you know who has a ton of outfits though? you know uh princess amidala queen amidala oh uh, yeah but and then and then i was thinking you know the two arguably like the two most famous you know women uh in star wars are amidala and leia and they both are also filthy rich and come from royalty and so really what i'm getting at here is where is our like representation on the other end of the spectrum for the ladies here the closest we have is like Jin or so she's kind of like maybe a, a are you talking about poor like like financially yeah. well what about ray yeah, ray was a scavenger on jakku who ended up being right like, but like but, so like i don't know that that counts like that's still standard Jin, whatever Jin, maybe uh, Jin, and i said maybe because like her dad helped build the death star and also even if you do accept her well then they killed her off so it's like where where's my representation that's what i'm saying here all right so it's I not need, i need the the lady han solo it's not about like sex or gender at this point it's about like socioeconomic positioning well yeah that too okay well in that case why don't you just date unkar plot because I feel like he also has relatively uh, more wealth than than not in his station in that well, on that planet, right? But like, you know what? When it comes to love, I just need one full portion, baby. <laughs> one full portion. All right, so there you go. Let's give you the results before this comes way the, off the rails. The results rails. are shocking, by the way. Oh, they are absolutely shocking. I mean, they're shocking to one degree, but... Uh, the, I think that it's Princess Leia winning, I think, is not a shock to me. I think the the fact that C-3PO was second place. So second place. Yes. He got my pity vote and he's second place. All right. Like, but it's it's by a chasm here. So it's Princess Leia wins with a clean 59 percent of the vote. So she wins outright, wins the majority. C-3PO is second place at 18 percent. 
Emperor Palpatine, for those who really want power, looks don't matter, it's about power. The same reason you'd like date Oprah is the reason you date Emperor Palpatine. It's power and influence. Uh, that's why, 14.8%. Luke Skywalker, nobody wants the whiny farm boy. And I don't mind it because I, I think it's like if you date Luke Skywalker, you're just dating somebody who is just constantly whiny and unsatisfied and just and then because he goes through the you went, wanna know. Sorry, I didn't I don't mean to derail you mid sentence, but you want to know what's actually wild? It's totally the whining. Because every time you hear any complaint about Luke, it's always whiny farm boy. Yeah. But the reality is he is a southern accent and a cowboy hat away from being the other end of the spectrum. Like Luke could be Tatooine desert cowboy stud. But yeah. because he's whiny farm boy, he's never been able to escape that label. Well, you know what? He, okay, you put a cowboy hat and a vest on him. He's he's uh, He's Owen Wilson from Night at the Museum. That's who he is. I was going to say Daniel Craig from uh, oh, Cowboys, Cowboys and Aliens. And aliens? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one, too. But let's just put it into perspective here. Can't you just be like, oh, but Uncle Owen, I want to go get some power converters. Wow. It's like that kind of thing. You know, like I don't want like he's just there. I just picture him. I, I don't G- know if I like your tone, Mr. Vader. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> He just goes ahead and just dunks two proton torpedoes, pulls up, sees the explosion. Wow. It's like, I don't know if I can get through that. Now that's in my head. <laughs> and Biggs Darklighter is played by Luke Wilson. <laughs> oh, no, oh, Biggs. Yeah. Wow. Like, I know. Okay. All right. So there's your results for the cave poll of the week. So just before we move on to the headlines here, because we have to, um, this is what happens when we take a week off. Uh, we have no emergency packs, no dough to keep us on the rails. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, part of it. You go to New Zealand and have a life changing experience. Like it was pretty good. Er- I'm not gonna lie. So for those who don't know, I was in New Zealand for about eight or nine days. There was the Flesh and Blood Celebrational Tournament, uh, which was like an, a special invite uh, uh, to Auckland. We went to uh, the most beautiful, the most beautiful place I think I've ever been, which is Queenstown, New Zealand. Uh, we went there. The tournament was uh, up a gondola on a mountaintop, which was unreal. And then it was back to Auckland, back to back to reality. Life-changing is, I mean, it, it was just kind of like not life-changing. It was more like, hey, this is what you could have. It was life-revealing to a degree. But I love Canada. It's just not, it's not New Zealand. But S- Star Wars Unlimited is here soon you and i are going to get our hands on it as soon as it comes out but let's talk a little bit about the headlines as we get through and we do want to explain a little bit about what our rebranding uh is all about so it's a long game move and first of all we appreciate the fact that everybody knows us as wampa radio knows us as the wampas that's kind of what we are and that is such a, a lovely consequence of the fact that we our passion is so well received by you all out there and we love it the problem is is that there are we didn't get in trouble there's no no one's breathing down our neck however doa charmer and myself got together and thought hey if we want to do merchandise like t-shirts if we want to do um you know, game pieces and tokens and initiative coins, and we want to put our name on stuff. We want as little friction and as little, um, 
I don't know how to say it, Charmer, more like we don't want anybody to sort of have to have a second thought about any type of partnership relation related. Yeah. The way that I would word it is just that um, we didn't want to wait for the talk to try to even like have to navigate it. Right. As you said, nobody has come to us and said, stop doing what you're doing. Um, I would be shocked if the mouse even knows we exist. We're small fish in an absolutely massive pond in that regard. However, should the day ever come where, you know, something happens, why, like, why wait till then and then navigate the water when we're still early enough now that we can just address any potential future problems? It's such a small move with such like big potential dividends as far as just making everything easy for all involved in the future yeah. that we, we just felt like this was the right move. And also in terms of like timing, not that I, I think like people are clamoring for it, but we have had quite a few listeners at least make jokes about like, when do I get my, you know, Wampa radio shirt. And then it, we were talking about it and we're like, well, technically we can't ever really do that. Like yeah. I had a couple made for us, for like personal use, but that's not the same as selling them. And yes. then once you start doing that, that that's a whole different thing. And so this yeah, was we just felt like it was the right, right thing to do. It's us covering our bases. It's us maintaining, um, just, uh, not like we have a bad relationship with anybody out there, but it's just more or less of like, Hey, should certain things become an opportunity for us? We don't want to have to, have any kind of issues wherein they're like, well, we don't know if this is okay, so we're not even going to go down that route. So we're just going to ice cave radio. We've got our our little uh, abominable swoo man uh, <laughs> named Wampo. So Wampo is fine. It's W-O-M-P-O. That's it. He's just Wampo. So we could still be Wampas. We can call ourselves a bunch of Wampas. That's nothing wrong with that. It's better than calling yeah. us squid heads. Or nerf herders. Or nerf herders, yeah, or whatever else kind of derogatory Star Wars terms. Just a bunch of us just doing death sticks in the corner, calling each other squid heads. <laughs> What's wrong with us? All right, so that is the most important part. Uh, moving forward, we will be Ice Cave Radio. The program, the people, the passion remains unchanged. We are just Ice Cave Radio. Sounds good? So, sounds good to me. Perfect. Well, it, it should. I won't be the final judge of it, but yeah. No, I mean, but I, I mean, I'm like, bored. <laughs> if if after weeks and weeks of deliberations and talking about this, you suddenly on the air says, you know what? No. I'd be like, well, that's too bad. Yeah, too bad. All right. Let's get to some of the headlines. Uh, I think there's a whole bunch that we might as well just rock it through. There's a lot of other great content creators out there who have covered this kind of stuff. So we missed a week. We're just going to breeze through a lot of the headlines. Anything pop out to you, Charmer, as, as something to drop in yeah, right now the i was gonna say like the big takeaway for me was what we were originally intending to cover last week the week that we missed which was uh fantasy flight games had their live stream where they talked about the beta version of the website's now live and they talked about features that are currently live such as uh, the ability to build decks uh, etc and there are tools there that you can kind of preview like finding events but i call it a beta version of the site because it's there functionally, but a lot of that stuff isn't like publicly live yet. So you can go there and do the like event finder, which is really important for organized play, but nothing's going to load because that part's not public yet. Um, there's also some pretty cool features on there, like tracking cards from your collection. Uh, there was a, a mention that they didn't go into any details about on the live stream, but I felt like it was a pretty big deal, which was 
uh, there's a confirmed multiplayer format for the game that they call Twin Sons. Sounds like two at a giant to me. Sounds like two at a giant, but nonetheless, I'm on board. Like, I already love it just based on the title. Uh, they also dropped some info, again, organized play related, which I think is just important to get the knowledge out in case you missed the, the stream or the announcement, which is uh, card sleeves will be required for competitive events. Uh, they either have to be uh, single color opaque or the Game Genic official Star Wars Unlimited ones. Um, so just know that if you're going to events, uh, if you're curious about participating in events from the judge side, they got some questions about a program. Uh, it is not released public yet, uh, but it's coming. So just kind of stay tuned to their official channels in in that regard. And uh, that was the 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 major part of like the the website reveal and, and things like that. Oh, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, in my opinion, and I think that having a very good home-based website that tracks, that not only is about deck building, card research, uh, you know, if you could find events, if you could um, keep track of your progress. One thing I like about the about Gem for Flesh and Blood is you can go back and see every single competitive event you've ever done, your individual games, the results. And, and all that stuff. I, I I would love more from it, frankly. So I'm hoping that Star Wars U is going to have something out there that is very comprehensive, that's very extensive as well. Because I want to... I'm a achievement hunter to a degree. I mean, I, I want to know how much experience points I have, my record, my ELO, where it went up, where it went down. And there's a lot of good things that are available and people care about this stuff. One thing about Sleeves Charmer, a lot of people will be like, well, obviously you bring sleeves to a competitive event. However, I have been to a magic event. I played in a standard magic event tournament where I had to call a judge because my opponent had, was using different sleeves. Like there was about eight or nine different colors and variations. And some of them were clear. Some of them were red. Some of them had designs. And I said, hey, I'm like, I don't know if this is legal. I'm like, I personally don't care because I don't care about the result of this game. I just want to play the game, but I don't want you to get in trouble, you know? So maybe it's something before we start that you should address. And they're like, I've never had a problem with this before. And I was like, I call. I absolutely call because this is either your first yeah. tournament wherein that statement is correct or no no matter whoever else. And ultimately, I called the judge and the judge like, you, you have to you have to like have other sleeves. And there's he, dude's like, well, I don't have other sleeves, so the dude's so the judge's like, well, you have to buy some then, and I was like, well, hold on, I said, I don't want the dude to f to be forced to pay money. Can he play with no sleeves as a result? And the guy's like, sure. And I was like, all right, if you're cool playing with no sleeves, and he's like, of course I'm not. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you, dude. I'm like, so the judge basically gave him the yeah. ultimatum of taking an L, or taking them out of the sleeves so he he grumpily took the l and i was like well we could play anyways if you want to play i said if the results already and i and i beat him anyways but still so the result was there it was just one of those things where don't take it for granted that you need sleeves or that well, your opponent and, will and have beyond them. that so the other reason that i wanted to highlight it was specifically the rules around the sleeves because there are a lot of games that just say like you have to have sleeves but specifically the it has to be opaque 
order the official Star Wars Unlimited ones. You can't show up with like custom sleeves. And I know that's a very common thing in other games and that for their competitive events anyway, will not be allowed. So are you talking about even like some of those Dragon Shield ones that have designs on the back? Yes, that's because because there's the, when it comes to a competitive level event, right? Yeah. uh, The concern is obviously that you could custom mark things if it's, you know, patterns that only you're familiar with. So like those would be fine because they're single color opaque. But, but if you are somebody who's done the custom dragon shield sleeves or you've got your lewd anime girls, which I know is a problem for communities in other places, don't <laughs> expect that in Star Wars. But again, an, a, a justifiable yeah. reason for, I think, why you want to rule like this uh, in here place. We go. So here's. Um, uh, oh, no, that's not a sleeve. Never mind. Keep going. Yeah. So uh, in, anyway, I just wanted to highlight that. Right. And I think it makes sense when you're talking about competitive events. And obviously they talk about their three C's. I don't think this is going to be a problem for just your casual, like weekly get together play. But if you're showing up to like one of their organized play premiere events, that is going to be the the expectation. Right. Yeah. So and that's that honestly is new to me. I don't think I've ever encountered that. However, the and, ma- and you've played a lot of card games like me. And so while I don't disagree with the rule, it is different from other games. And so yeah. I wanted to make sure I set it that that live, said, right. The, get, get it out there. The cheapest sleeves are the opaque ones. Ultimately, yeah. I mean, I am lucky enough that I was briefly sponsored by BCW and they sent me like a, a gigantic crate of sleeves. So I am not in needing for sleeves. If ever somebody's out there and you're going to the event I'm going to and you do not have sleeves, send me a message. I will give you sleeves. Uh, no cost, no nothing, no expectation. They're just yours. I just want to make sure that people are set up. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. That's, that's what actually started me down this whole train of thought of like, I really wanted to make sure I, I put an emphasis on this because I normally carry extra sleeves at any event I go to. But my standard right now for like my extra sleeves are I have a bunch of chain sleeves from Flesh and Blood because I used to play chain and now he's living legend. So I was like, all right, well, those will just become my like go to backup sleeves or loner sleeves. I like I've loaned them. I loaned them to uh, Peter at the Invitational. Right. So I couldn't do that at a Star Wars event. I would have to have a different set of loner sleeves because those are not opaque and not official Star Wars ones. So that's why I'm mentioning it. It, It's one of those things you don't even think of, but it it would matter at a competitive event. If you want to buy good sleeves, friends, I highly recommend my favorite ones are the BCW Elite 2s. And I'm I'm no longer sponsored by BCW. I am merely saying that this happens to be my favorite sleeve. Dragon Shield sleeves are good, but I think the BCW Elite 2s are very durable. They slide well. The edges don't wear. And um, I have been basically exclusively using BCW Elite 2s, which I don't think are all that expensive. I think they're like 10 bucks for 100 or something like that, or uh, like eight or nine bucks, which... Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're like eight. Yeah. I don't even think 10 I'm thinking, bucks is I'm insane. thinking Canadian, that's why. So I think they're like... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I would highly recommend. They're very good value. And I, me playing, uh, like I'm going to Hartford. You're going to Hartford. Are you going to Hartford? Probably not. not. Okay, so I'm, go- very sad. I'm going to a, a major tournament next weekend in Hartford. I will be bringing Elite Two Sleeves because... They're just good, and they're opaque, no designs. That's how I prefer it. All right, that does it for headlines. Let's jump into a slew of spoiler cards, and I think that the majority of this show is going to be just jamming through the spoilers. Uh, We could talk a little bit more about, I think, the rebranding of the show here, but there's no... 
there's no nothing really more to talk about. Well, there's nothing more to directly talk about, but this is where I will pose a question to the audience, or I guess more like make a request of the audience, which is, you know, let us know what you think, right? This is yes. early enough where if you want to give us feedback or if there are other things you want to see now that we are going through this. So if you are one of those people who are like, yeah, I would have like used a shirt or a playmat or whatever, we would love to know that. Um, it, it's not really been a, a focus of ours in the past because of stuff like this. But now that we're making the move and now is the, the time to let us know. Now's the time. All right, let's get to these spoilers. And the first one is an event. It is a three cost double aggression aspect. It's called Rallying Cry. It is a tactic charmer. It says each friendly unit gains raid to this phase. Again, raid being, if it's raid two, everybody gets plus two, plus oh while attacking. Um, again, aggression, you need to pay for it because it's double aggro in terms of the aspect, but this is one of those nasty pieces. This is a trooper deck specialization, in my opinion. You have a bunch of little dudes, you jam this card, and suddenly you are punching way above your weight. And I think that this card is pretty good. I hate double aspect cards. It feels so limiting. And I'm really trying to figure out maybe if this isn't a trooper deck, are you willing to pay five for this? Or are you just going double aggression as an aspect combo? Yeah, that, that's a fair question. I think that in a rebel trooper deck, uh, going double aggression is fine. Um, originally last week, because of the website announcement, Doa and I were going to showcase the like deck builder on the official website, just so that we could also share some some decks that we've been brewing with the current revealed card pools. And it just so happens that I have a aggressive Sabine deck that is double aggression built. Uh, that being said, I'll also share that it's still not running Rallying Cry in the current iteration because... Uh, this is one of those cards that I think is in a weird spot. It feels better in limited than it does in constructed, but it also feels more limiting in limited because of the double aggression. And the other side of this is because of the back and forth nature of uh, this game, there is a window of opportunity for your opponent to disrupt this. So it's just like you were saying, right? You could have three dudes on the board and you want to play this and then attack with them. So you play this, but then if they play something that destroys, you know, multiple units of yours, then you're going to get almost no return on your investment, right? You're going to lose your units and the tempo that you, you know, sacrificed to try to make this play. So um, it, it has a lot of good potential, but it's a very niche application because you have to find the right window to do it safely and effectively. Yeah, I mean, remember that card in Hearthstone? It's the Shaman card. All of your units get plus three, plus O. Oh. Um, or I think it's like, f is it Force of Nature, Savage Roar? Oh, yeah. yeah, there's the Druid. There's the one, Druid yeah. one as well. That's kind of, it feels like a combo in that regard. Like, I think what we're missing, honestly, Charmer, is like you've you've said this a bunch of times, is like a three or four cost card that's like make three one ones, like token dudes on the board. You need to swarm the board. And what's tough for this is that this card is going to feel so like meh if you do not have like lethal potential. If you're not putting the pressure on your opponent to either bring him down to close to lethal, I, 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 I'm I, really hard-pressed about this card, but I'm so frequently wrong about a, a, evaluating aggro cards so here's my concern with even like that train of thought because i started with that like if 
there's an easy way to just like make a bunch of tokens or whatever, then maybe I see the value here, right? But this only provides raid. It doesn't provide additional health. So if you've got, let's like, again, say three weenies, right? You've got three, you know, two twos on the board that you're trying to raid to and, and essentially double your damage for the turn. The problem is it's not like Hearthstone where I get to play all my cards and do all my things because it's my turn. So instead, it's you play Rallying Cry and then me as the control player, I say, all right, I'm going to play Overwhelming Barrage, give my biggest unit plus two plus two and then divide its damage amongst your units. Oh, so your, your board is wiped. Like I, I've nullified all of your units and the tempo you sacrificed to try to go for that damage shot. So you can get value out of it, but you have to almost get your opponent to overexert on their end first, which also means having a wide board that you've not attacked with yet. And then also still having the resources to, to still rally and cry. So it's really just about like navigating the turn structure that I struggle with this card right now. All right, let's move on. Uh, we've got a really cool card. Just an interesting type of unit, but yeah, go for it. Yeah, Occupier Siege Tank. This is a five-cost ground unit, just aggression and only one aggression aspect, so just solo aggression. It's a 5-4 Imperial Vehicle Tank, and it has grit. So if you don't remember, that's the it gets plus one, plus zero for each damage counter on it. So it's a 5-4 for five, but theoretically this could be as big as like an eight one if you get some damage on it and that you know wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world but um yeah, yeah this it's a common uh it has i think some potential in limited uh, i think that you're a little bit in a weird spot anytime anytime i see a unit with grit that also has less health than it does attack already it feels like it's uh competing with itself for what it wants to do like, that's the part that stands out to me. Yeah, 5-4 five, for 5. The stat line is meh. Grit on a 4 body is kind of like may. It's like 4 is the bare minimum that I would really consider for a grit unit to be very good. It's it's just one of those things. The more you poke it, the angrier it gets, which yeah. ultimately, I think as a common, this is an okay draft card. Yeah, the old it's 100% an okay draft card. The only thing that I like take away from this because again i like to talk about cards that i earmark for later uh is it is a tank and so like theoretically normally when you think about tanks you think about things that are very hard to kill and so maybe in a future set way down the line maybe we get a card that says like your tank becomes you know almost unkillable right it gets a, a big bonus to health or maybe it gets health and shielded or whatever the case may be and then suddenly like this becomes an attractive option for that upgrade like this is this is one of those spots where I think the keywords uh, or not keywords, excuse me, the, the tags, right? Imperial vehicle tank could be relevant down the line. They just don't feel relevant right now. Correct. This is a base set, right? It, with sort of how you want to evaluate it, it's still kind of like a base set. This is the building blocks for bigger, better things down the line. Um, next up, we've got another event. This one is a two-cost Spectre event called Carabast. It is an aggression and heroism card, and it says, a friendly unit deals damage to an enemy unit equal to the amount of damage on the friendly unit plus one. So at its base, it's one damage, because if there's zero damage on something, zero plus one, quick mats, that's where we go. Man's not hot, but... 
<laughs> a friendly unit deals damage to an enemy unit equal to the damage. So fills in with the grit style stuff. Like something's angry, it could still deal damage, but it could also just kind of go ahead and play Carabas to sort of get rid of something. But again, what is the range of this? This is where you need some big booty um, witches on the board in order to go ahead and accumulate a whole lot of spanking going on so that you are, can carabas spoiling witches of dathomir early big booty witches of dathomir the is big that booty a... witches yeah big booty witches we got big booty witches Woo! no that's an old old yeah. school youtuber all right uh that said i think it's okay i think that uh if you look historically at card games and different ideologies i think specifically about magic when it comes to direct removal a lot of them have sort of this thematic ideology to it for example green is always one unit fights another or deals its its strength to another black is just straight up point click delete uh red is deal a, a specific number of damage white is exile and blue is bounce that's kind of how they they have their different versions of removal and i i feel like this is just another it's kind of like all right well you got something that's hurting let it hurt back yeah i i like this for a couple of reasons first the flavor uh carabast if you're a fan of revels like me like you probably sometimes say it at home um my kids get a chuckle out of it because it's like a to them it's a curse word they're allowed to say uh it's and like frack I, frack and I, in, uh, <laughs> yeah 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 uh, from looney tunes and yeah um but i also appreciate that this is a specter card so when you think about the power level of this it's not necessarily any more powerful than some of the other direct damage removal cards we've seen but the flexibility of being the specter kind of tribal here so that you can put it in your hair decks, I think gives it some additional value. Uh, the artwork features Zeb, and I think that's also fitting because this card pairs very well with the unit Zeb and is also in the exact same aspects. So the idea is like, you can play your Zeb, he swings and removes one unit, then the, his uh, ability triggers potentially, removes another unit, and then for the low cost of two, now you're going to make use of the damage counters that were on your Zeb to blow up a third unit, and now maybe you're back in the game, right? So uh, I do like that. Uh, there's also one other use for this that I'm just going to say we're going to talk about a few reveals down um, because this card uh, combos very well with uh, a new leader that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, but uh, let, let's move on because we got a bunch to do. Yeah, we have a bunch. I like this next card. Yeah, the next card is Alliance Dispatcher. This is a one-cost ground unit in Heroism and Command. It is a 1-2 Rebel. And the text says, as an action, you can exhaust it to play a unit from your hand. It costs one less. So uh, these are your Lanoir Rebels. Hold on a second. Yes, that's a very good terminology. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know what a Lanoir Elf is, I think it's one of the most reprinted cards in all of Magic. It's basically, a, they're called Mana Dorks. You just, yeah. They're just units that provide extra resources, which this it systematically does. It just cheapens a card in your hand. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. There was a nice little conversation that is now two weeks old because I was away, and I just kind of dipped my toe into it, 
when we revealed Chopper, one of the evaluations of it was that a one three stat line for a one drop was garbage or not wasn't was like not great or bad. And I have to ask, what what the hell do you want from a from a one drop from a stat line? Four points of stats for a one drop? It's pretty good. And I understand what the conversation was, etc. And I thought that the response to Chopper was a lot more underwhelming than I suspected it was because I think you and I and possibly Doa also have that card as pretty high. Like, I think it's a pretty good card. A lot of people were really not impressed with it. And I'm willing to see how it goes. I'm not saying that we are right or and you're wrong or vice versa because we, we haven't seen the card in action. But a 1-2 stat line for this one drop, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's perfectly fine because for what this does... It's going to what the way that people evaluate cards to a degree I think are missing some of the point because when it comes to this 1 2 drop this is a high value priority so you are buying an action turn from your opponent and saving your health total in the same regard if this eats a swing of an opponent's unit it weakens that unit it saves you the damage you would have absorbed and it buys the action point from them so once again just in general Heroism Command is all about that ramp. It's all about getting big things on the board early and commanding the board. You want to have your big boys out before your opponents drops their big girls, and that's kind of where we're at. And, and Alliance Dispatcher, DJ Death Star, all these types of dudes are all there to do the same thing, which is get you to an end game as fast as possible. I like this card. I think just at a minimum, the card is fun because... When it hits the table, statistically, it might be underwhelming, right? The The problem with a 1-2, so the reason I like Chopper is 3 is a break point. There's a lot of 2-drops that swing for 2. So, yes, he only has the one attack, but it also means it's going to be an attack into him and then something else to finish him off. Your trade-off here is this obviously just loses that one, you know, trade-off with the 1-2, the and it also means you have to, like, prioritize it. So I think the issue with a card like this is I can play at turn 1, and then if my opponent plays like a 2-2 for turn one, and then we go to the second turn, if I don't use them right away, they're just going to eat it and I didn't get value. Like that's that's the real concern, unlike the mana dorks and magic that they just hang out. They can't be attacked directly, so right. they require some other interaction. This is at risk. And I, I think that that is a, a legitimate concern here. But that being said, when it is on the board it does create that decision tension for both players, which is, do I need to use it right away to make sure I get value? And if I'm the opponent, do I need to attack it? Because if not, like, what is it that they could ramp out? What is it that I'm afraid of? Maybe I don't care. Maybe I still want to race the base anyway and just ignore it, right? There's interesting decisions that are made. And so to me, that's what makes the card fun. Even if it might not end up being, uh, terribly powerful in the long run especially as we get more sets i i like the decisions it forces players to make that's like again i i just want people to know that i'm not saying this card is amazing from a gameplay perspective i just like the card because i'm a ramp control side player i like getting big stuff on the board fast and this kind of plays into it will it make a cut of a deck i'm not sure i still want to play test around and do some stuff but for now alliance dispatcher I like the artwork because it looks like he's he's training the poor Rodian, 
and the Rodian is there on his first day, and the guy's like, okay, so when you see this, make sure you call this number, but only if it's this. But don't call the number between these hours, and also, if your supervisor is that guy, you shouldn't call the number. You should be going to your supervisor. And also, if that radar shows two or less blips, don't call, but always call when this is on. Do you got that? And the Rodian's like, uh, so Uta Guta. Not, not to derail us any further, but what this actually reminds me of is when I used to do dispatch and lean in 911 for a, a local police department, there was a time when I received a phone call from somebody that was claiming they had been kidnapped. And obviously you take those very seriously. Um, so then, uh, you know, a, a shift supervisor came in to listen in, right? And the person who was claiming that they had been kidnapped then started describing their captors and how most of them were uh, wearing white and that they were currently hiding in a closet. And then we ended up figuring out it was somebody at a, a local community mental health facility that was hiding from the doctors. Uh. Um but this this scene was basically like me sitting at the desk and then the supervisor taking over. I just <laughs> like, I just picture I'm in an emergency. I pick up my phone. I dial nine one one. You answer and I'll be like, uh, uh, "Help! I'm trapped in a freezer." And you'd be like, "Okay, great icebreaker. I just need you to chill out for a second, okay?" And I'll be like, "Mother of God!" Mo- hey. And I would just hang up on you. <laughs> Fun, fun other true story. My mother called nine one one to report an altercation that was happening at a public park. Right. So she calls 911 and gets me. And so 911, what's your emergency? And she goes, oh, Derek? And I was like, yeah, what's the emergency? And she goes, I don't want to bother you at work and hung up on me. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a motherly thing to do. So mom, dude. I was so I had to call her back and like, no, you need to report it. What's going on? Oh, my God. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Where are you? Spell your name. Oh, that's funny. All right, let's go to the next one. Next one is Heroism, a four-drop ground unit called Regional Sympathizers. It is a 3-4 rebel unit with Restore 2 baked in. Um, It's a fun little card. I think that this card is going to be a very... A slightly above average um, draft card, I believe. What I like is that they're just these regional sympathizers are purely Tokyo drifting the crap out of wherever the hell they are, which looks so dangerous, so dangerous that I can understand why you would need Restore 2 because they are clearly reckless. Yes. I mean, the art shows exactly uh, how how reckless they are, so naturally they're going to need some help. Um when this card was first revealed, I was like, yeah, it's great for a common, like has some limited use or whatever. Uh, after I've had time to marinate on it, uh, I actually think my views on this has improved since last week, just because as I start going through all of the cards that have been revealed so far, there is not nearly as many cards with restore as I was originally anticipating. And so at least in a set one world, there is a chance that this could like make the cut in certain lists, even if it's like only as a one or a two of just to kind of bolster your ways to get that health back. I think you're right. Um, what I love about this first set is coming from other card games that have now had so much time to breathe power creep, etc. It's nice to sort of be grounded back to those initial 
power levels and power points wherein we are we are in a situation now where maybe this is like we've seen the wampa like it's the chill wind yeti of hearthstone that card was that card was just a vanilla four five for four that people played because the stat line was right at that it's what it traded with what people were playing on turn three and how you respond on turn four it was just it just made sense and that might fit in so i kind of like that um as for regional sympathizers ooh. This is the card I think you were talking about, right? So this is the card, yeah. Make it and I, I love so much about this card. I, I got so excited. All right, do so it. We got a new leader. It's a rare leader. It's in the aspects that I was waiting for the next reveal for, which is heroism and vigilance, because I've been trying to theorycraft some control uh in, in the force uh control you know spectrum here. So we got Chirut Imwe. That's right, Mr. I am one with the force, and uh, that, that is literally the kind of subtitle for this leader, one with the force. I love it. So the action uh, when it's your leader is give a unit plus zero plus two for this phase, which is very interesting to me. And now I'm going to wait for like the comprehensive rules because I want to know how health totals work when your, your phase ends, because this... This has the potential to keep a unit alive long enough for you to get value out of it. But I think that then when the phase ends, like when you're going through resolution, if it has enough damage on it, it's still likely going to die. Right. So the value is going to be in like extending the presence of units that you want to get an activation or an attack with potentially, which is interesting. Uh, However, the other side of him, him as a unit is where things get spicy. So as a unit, so he's a five cost or your epic action when you have five resources, uh, has a three, five stat line and has the rebel tag as well as the force tag. And I adore this because this is our first force unit. That's not a Jedi, right? They, 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 they just gave him, Hey, we know you're one with the force, buddy. You get it. Even if you're not a Jedi, you're, you're force rebel. Uh, and then the text says during the action phase, this unit isn't defeated by having no remaining HP during the regroup phase. If he has no remaining HP, defeat him. So in other words, while you are in the, the midst of a turn and you're doing your back and forth, uh, he could have 10 damage counters on him and he's still there. And so that's why I was kind of hinting with Carabast earlier that, hey, there's a unit that works really well with that because <laughs> normally the kind of top end right the dream scenarios for carabaster either you have to have a unit with an insane number of health and then it becomes a very cost effective like i pay two to nuke your giant unit or in this case you could just have a guy who doesn't die from damage and i also really like this because if you're playing vigilance there's probably a lot of tools in your arsenal for healing whether it's your base or your units and he threatens situations where he can take enough damage where he'd be defeated at the end of the turn. But if you're very good at managing your action economy, you can wait till your opponent passes like to get the initiative. And then you can play your heel to pull those counters off and he sticks around and there's nothing they can do about it. OK, so here's the deal. Um, first of all, it's just OK, so I, I want to just re- go back to what you're talking about, like the comprehensive rules and such. And the reason we're talking about this is because let's say, you know, you give something plus, it has a one, one stat line. You give it plus two or plus O plus two. It takes one damage at the end of the turn. It loses the plus O plus two. Does it die outright? My suspicion is yes. However, there are other games that that doesn't happen. For example, Hearthstone is another one where at the end of the turn, any damage above and beyond 
the buffs that wear off, it falls down to whatever the lowest it could possibly be without it dying. So it'll drop down to one. Same thing when you when something is buffed and you like you like silence it or whatever, it'll go right. down to the lowest. That's just the way it goes. The other part about this is just this dude being like a pincushion for your own self-wounding effects just to carabass something is kind of funny. I think that's cool. But also, how about this? What if you just slap some entrench on this dude? You entrench it on a turn where you just don't want to die because it sits there and it'll take an absolute pounding by everything that's on the board. And then unless they have uh, Overwhelm or they have Overrun or whatever it's called, um, you know, then then it's just this impenetrable impenetrable brick wall is it not like if you entrench well, this no so entrench is the one where it gets the big boost in stats but it can't oh, attack bases sorry. what you're talking about is protector and protector. that was what i was going to circle sorry, back to because we we had that discussion when we you know first talked about protector after it was revealed Yes, and we, we had that discourse about how, hey, Protector feels weird. It's a double Vigilance card, and it's only plus one, plus one, and gains Sentinel. And we were comparing that to some of the other upgrades, and we were like, hey, I don't know. And I remember saying, like, well, maybe there's a reason that Sentinel is just prioritized more than the others. And it turns out that reason is this leader, because, as you said, slapping Sentinel on this guy... That was it. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, is a house... And so if you have scenarios where, as I said, you could slap Protector on him and then just have ways to heal the damage off of him after your opponent has passed to the turn, then you just have a, a wall on the ground. It's absolutely massive. Now, obviously, there are other ways to defeat him. There are uh, things like takedown, right? That's going to be all that more impactful in these matchups. But if you're talking about just straight damage or attacking, he is he is a house. I love everything about this leader. I agree, and I think that you need it, it's a card or a leader that needs helping, but the potential is there. Like you said, nothing's going to frustrate your opponent more than drop, dropping protector on this. Maybe you drop entrench on it, and you just have a series of cards that that heal him at the end of the turn. Like you mentioned, you don't even need initiative to a degree if you just have last action and say, okay, heal whatever. It's he's now uh, back down to one health, but he's still alive. So right, I mean, you could be packing, you know, surgical droid, which is also in vigilance. If he's got the protector, so he's already got a uh, sentinel, right? Your droid is safe, and then you can just let him take all the damage, and then to end your turn, you're like, all right, well, I'll attack with the surgical droid and pull two damage off of him, and suddenly he's back to being fine. Similarly, the other card, the reason that I've been eyeing this aspect uh, leader combo for a while was I've been trying to figure out, is there enough in set one where you can reliably build a good control deck that is just vigilance and heroism and have it also be Force-centric? I'm talking your Kanan, your Obi-Wan, your Lukes, etc. And the reason I've been looking at that is because I think that the actual uh, legendary card Vigilance is very strong, but also it binds all things. When you're talking about Force users, is a hell of a card. So if you're not remembering, uh, that's the two-cost event uh, it's force and it says you heal up to three damage from a unit. And if you control a force unit, you may deal that much damage to another unit. So it turns out if you've got a force unit, <laughs> and you want to pull some, you know, damage counters off him to end your turn, you can also then nuke one of their units as well. It's just all the pieces came together for me when I saw this leader and it doesn't 
hurt that it's also one of the coolest characters in Rogue One. But it is a best two out of three competitive, and there will mm-hmm. be sideboards, so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have that little magic bullet for this this dude, because honestly, I think you're exactly right. I think that th- seeing these cards come out has now um, leaned to me a little bit more towards the fact that double aspect decks are going to be competitive. I thought that it would just be you pay over the top for certain things, or you you always have to have triple aspect. It, it was just the way. But I think that the way that you're talking about this and the cards and how they're coalescing here, there's something there, and I'm all I'm all for it. So I'm excited for to see what you brew, Charmer, and for me to pack uh, takedown in my deck in my sideboard. I'll pay hey, over the top. Just, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to another flake card for sure. This is Reinforcement Walker, an 8-drop command aspect ground unit. It has a 6-9 body. It's a vehicle. It's a Walker Texas Ranger. It says, when played or on attack, look at the top card of your deck. Either draw that card or discard it and heal 3 damage from your base. So, I want to just clarify, you either draw the card, that's option A, or option B is you discard it and heal three, right? You're not drawing and healing three because that would be <laughs> unreal. Correct. Okay. So your choices are you either draw that card or you can discard it to heal three. So I, this is an uncommon. I think that's important because I just want to say that I love this card for limited. If you're looking for like a top end in command stabilizer, this is big enough that it's going to be hard to kill, but also the reusable every time uh i attack with it but also i get the value once when i play it because that's usually one of the drawbacks of your really big units is like you play it and then you don't get the immediate value and maybe it gets bounced or removed right this you even get it on play so if you're trying to stabilize and heal and you're playing that late game or that ramp this does that for you like i actually really like this card well so i want to give thanks to tom and taha for revealing this one but you're right because when you play it especially in the late game you don't want to be drop drawing like one drops or two drops or non-impactful cards at that juncture in the game you look at the top card and it's like your dispatcher or something you even if you have full health you're dunking that card you're saying goodbye Uh, like you do not want to draw into that well so the option is when you play or attack and you reveal that card you either discard it immediately and gain three or it just goes into your hand so either way you're not drawing it as part of your next turn you're furthering like your dig into your deck oh right you're right you're right full health you would still take it anyway i think yeah okay you're right it's just it's just that reusable pull three off your base that i think is really important because this is only in command so up until this point a lot of your like self-healing stuff for your base has been strictly in vigilance Um, a lot of your restore stuff is there and so this being just command, single aspect, and it's got a, a way to start pulling counters off of your base, I think is really important. I'm still on New Zealand time. The jet lag is still hitting me. I don't know why I didn't even fathom that. I forgot about the draw part. All right. That is Reinforcement Walker. I like this card. I like the stat line. I like that it's an uncommon. Um, let's move on, my friend. Yeah. I mean, you might think that you are stabilizing the board when you play that giant walker, but I would caution you and say, don't get cocky, uh, which just so happens to be the name of the, the next card. Don't get cocky is a four cost event in cunning, and it is a gambit. And I, I love this card. It's a wall of text, so strap in, but I love everything about it. Choose a unit one at a time. Reveal cards from your deck 
until you choose to stop or have revealed seven cards. If the combined cost of the revealed cards is seven or less, deal that much damage to the chosen unit. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your deck in a random order. So just to play this out, because I know that's a lot, you choose a unit and then you reveal the top card of your deck. One at a time. Whatever, yep, one at a time. So you reveal the top card and then you see its cost. Let's say it's a four. Now you are faced with the choice. Do I reveal a second card? Because maybe four damage isn't what I was looking for. Or do I say four is enough and I just deal the four? And if you reveal a second card, let's say it's a two. Well, now you're dealing six damage and you can keep doing this until you either reveal seven cards total or you go above seven. So this is like blackjack, basically, like you're trying to get as much damage in without busting. And I I love that. And I also love that this is it's interesting because this is removal that you would potentially consider in a control deck but it also punishes you for having late game cards right because if you've got you know a walker that we were just talking about that thing costs eight that immediately quote unquote busts your don't get cocky you don't get to deal any damage right so this the existence of this poses a lot of deck building questions and it's in cunning and so i i I love everything about it the like the flavor of this card is so good and of course you would be all over this because uh, i watched you play blackjack i saw <laughs> i sat i stood there behind you for like 2 hours watching that terminator of a of a dealer just absolutely eviscerate that whole table it was un, un uncanny how how crazy that was but don't get cocky is really cool and that's what people need to understand is like yeah it's like all right i feel i feel like in terms of cards that you need to i say card counting like you know like we're 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 from mit here but ultimately you need to know what's in your deck you need to know what the top end is if you're building a deck that's all one two three cost stuff and maybe the top end is like i got a few fours in here like don't get cocky you need to know that when you the card you're peeling off the top you need to be like okay i'm at i'm at uh i'm at four right there's Six cards total that have a four cost or greater. I'm holding one now. I just played it. I know that one's in in the resource pile. So there's four landmines floating around. But otherwise, it's a surefire guarantee that I'm going to get seven. So you got to be a little bit confident, but don't get cocky. Or, or I was waiting for you to make this connection. You can just know what the top card of your deck is because you're playing Grand Admiral Thrawn. The top card, leader. you know, the yeah, top but, card, but you don't know the rest. And that's the sure, problem. But sometimes like you can hit that sweet spot, right? Like if you know the top card is a six, then you're like, yeah, let's just do this, baby. Well, hold on a second. Does Grand Admiral Thrawn say, let's see, what does Thrawn say? When the uh, action phase starts, you oh, look at the top okay. card of each player's deck. Okay, because there is a hero, for example, in Flush and Blood, like Dash IO that says at any point, you may look at the top card of your deck. So if that was the same text, you could be like, it says one at a time. You go one, look at the top card, two, look at the top. That's not the case. But you're right. You do get to know the first one, but you'll always know the first one because you're going to reveal it anyways. So that's, I like the theme of this card. I would definitely not play it because I know my luck as well. And that's, I I don't get cocky, I get screwed. That's what happens. Just to talk about other potential like fun brews uh, that are out there. Obviously we've got, uh r2d2 who can reveal the top card to your deck to give you knowledge 
The other one that jumps out, but this means your triple aspect at that point, uh, is Inferno 4 that has the when played and when defeated. You look at the top two and you can choose to put them back around the bottom. Uh, and that's top two, right? So that really starts there. And this is just that one. This is another one of those cards that I think is going to get more fun the more cards we get. Cunning. Cunning is going to be a... so cool. All right. Let's move on, my friend. Um, very simple. Another generic card. It is Confiscate. I was waiting for a card like this. I think there's going to be a bunch that are very similar, very basic three or four words on the on the card it is confiscate it's an event law i like that law is the type of card one cost no aspect defeat and upgrade yes 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 um simple solution cards necessary cards like disenchant in magic cards that are like just defeat an enchantment defeat a an artifact, defeat of this, defeat of that. You need them. They don't all have to be flashy. They don't have to do a million things. For one cost, this feels like a limited card, for sure, and 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 you like it. I know that other cards exist that are like defeat all upgrades, but if you're not in that color scheme or you don't want to pay a penalty, this might just be it. There might be a deck out there that's like just you build a tank, you put a lightsaber on Luke, he goes haywire. If you just have confiscate, you just defeat it for super cheap and get back to work. Hey, earlier, it's almost like I was going off about a leader with an upgrade being a problem. So all you have to do is get rid of the upgrade and suddenly you don't have to worry about Sentinel anymore. And this, uh, the artwork on this is after the dude has finished his, uh, his dispatcher class. He's like, screw this. He stole some of the, uh, the muffins from the break room and filled his, his, his pockets with some like Nespresso pods. And he's like, I'm never coming back here anyways. And unfortunately, security caught him. So they're confiscating not a weapon. The upgrade, frankly, is the caffeine and the sugar rush that he was going to get. Poor Rodian. This poor guy. Rodians get a rough one in the Star Wars universe pretty often. They do. They have, They do. They they, get, I mean, they, they really do. <laughs> um, all right. Next one. Right. I like the next one because this is a character that... Um, I was a little bit iffy about when they first popped up in canon, but talk to us about the next one. Okay, I, I'm i with you. I was a little iffy when they popped up, but I, I kind of grew to love them, especially on my second rewatch of Rebels. Uh, and our character that we are talking about is Bendu. So this is a ground unit, six cost, double vigilance, four, seven, force creature. So earlier we got uh, Shurut, and now we have him. So we have multiple units that exist that are Force, but not Jedi now. Uh, so four seven for six double vigilance has Sentinel, but also on attack the next non heroism and non villainy card you play this phase costs two less. So exactly what you were talking about before Flake, where hey, things are coalescing and I'm starting to see where a double aspect deck could be viable. And again, me saying I really want double vigilance with force to be a centerpiece of my deck building. They went and they dropped this right in my lap. I love so much about this. The lore, the flavor of this card is spot on. If you know who this character is from Rebels, you know that he just kind of doesn't pick sides to a degree, right? He's just kind of what he is. Um, much like the Ents from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um they have decided that you are not orcs, but this guy has also decided 
that if you're not picking a side, if you're not heroism or villainy, he's going to help you out. He's going to be giving you a little bit of a discount on the attack. Um, the more cards I see that are double, double aspect, the more I think that, yeah, I think double aspect decks are where it's at. And, and, and triple aspect decks might be, I don't say gimmicky, but they might be asking a lot. We'll see. I cannot wait for this game to be in everybody's hands and tournaments are brewing. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh God. I like, I just, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. Yeah. One, one last thing I want to point out to those who are listening in case you're not thinking about this from a deck building standpoint, as you're brewing, you just have to remember that his ability also works on single aspect cards, right? So I know we're talking about double aspect from a deck building standpoint, but any cards that you're including, for example, that are just single aspect vigilance, would still get the discount. It just has to not be heroism, not be villainy. This also means for cards like Confiscate or some of these other generics that might be overcosted but are are meant to fill in gaps when you are deck building or or sideboarding. Well, he hits those too. So you could attack with Bendu and then just play your Confiscate for no resources, which is fine. I love free cards. I love that. All right, let's go to the next one. It's an event. It is a four-cost heroism vigilance force event called the forces with me so we had i am one with the force the force is with me and the artwork is spot on here it says choose a friendly unit and give two experience tokens to it if you control a force unit also give a shield token to the chosen unit you may attack with the chosen unit okay so the force vigilance the heroism part kind of straps in there as well but let's make it plus two plus two give it a shield so it's not taking any clap back and then you just go and beat the crap out of something i I, i'm but this was also revealed by nelson all over cards so thank you nelson um but yeah i think that this card is going to be a real beater and i think it's going to be a nasty reality that people are going to have that kind of fear of God in them where they're like, oh man, if he forces with me, like if he, if he, the forces with me on this card, I'm kind of, I'm blown out here. So how do we, how do you play around it? How do we fix it? And sometimes you can't, but like, ultimately I think that the vigilance heroism aspect itself is one of those situations where if you leave something on the board, it's going to get out of control. And like it, 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 that whole that whole kind of combo to me feels about c- centering around heroes, centering around these one Voltron style dudes who are going to do a lot of the work. And like, whether it's Luke or I don't know, Mace Window or Yoda or whatever, it's just about these galactic heroes, these champions that you are doing a lot of the heavy lifting with. It's not about throwing in the grunts. It's not about, you know, uh, a bunch of star destroyers it's one person that changes the narrative of the game and just sticks to the board and gets nasty and that's what i love about this yeah the whole reason that i've been kind of in the past trying to force build uh, pun very intended a force centric heroism vigilance kind of control deck is because when i played the elder scrolls legends one of my favorite decks of all time to play was uh, a sorcerer deck that was the name of the like color combination and the entire premise was you play units that had shields and then instead of attacking your opponent directly, you use them to attack your opponent's units until eventually you have board control. At that point, like you keep killing their units, but you're survived because there's, there's shields and anything they play, you can just 
attack right into, right? They just fall behind. That's the, the similar play style here, but like kind of on steroids because the reason I got so excited about this card, the forces with me, is that you get all of those bonuses and you get the shield, but you get to attack right away. And there are so many good vigilance, heroism units that give you stuff on attack, right? Kanan has his trigger where, you know, you're doing the, the discard from their deck thing, but also healing your base. Uh, Yoda and Luke have restore. So you're again healing your base. Uh, there's Bendu that we just talked about where his on attack is potentially making something else cost less this turn. So you're not just like, oh, I'm buffing my unit and I'm, you know, doing the attack, but I'm also likely getting a very relevant on attack trigger as well. I just really like what this card does in this combination. Let's move on, my friend. What else we got? Uh, we are being escorted to our Escort Skiff card. This is a four-cost ground unit in Command, so just single-aspect Command. Uh, it has a 4-4 four, four body. It is Underworld, Vehicle, and Speeder for the tags, but it says, while you control another Command unit, this gains Ambush, and this is in the Common slot. Uh, I feel like this is going to be an all-star in limited. A 4-4 four, four for 4 in a single aspect is fine, but being able to essentially just use this as removal while you're in command, right, because that's what the ambush part is, is a pretty big deal. I I've wholeheartedly agree. Any type of, you know, anything that has a big attack value and survivability in limited is huge. Um, much like, for example... Uh, in in Magic Limited, you find a four four flyer with 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 haste. You almost immediately I don't want to say win the game, but you immediately put yourself in a position where you have a direct advantage. If the board is even, Steven, even from a perspective of attacking face with it, just the fact that you have something that can do damage and surprise your opponent that they are not accounting for, it, from a limited perspective, that is a massive massive advantage because they are not prepared for that. They're prepared for what they see on the board, and they understand that things have summoning sickness, and you can't exactly just activate them and go nuts with them. But when you can, especially at the common slot, four for a uh, four four for four that has that ability as single aspect, high value. I think that escort skiff is going to be like you said, making waves in limited. I think that you're spot on about that. Okay, uh, we've got two more, and I I, I want to say, or do you have anything else that you want to throw in? Or no, no, okay. no, I. So I'm gonna say that the next two cards are. Do you want to pronounce who they're from, and then I will correct you. Geek because no, close. I could be wrong here, but it to me it's geek be, uh, geek bequa, which is like Quebecois, but oh yeah, like de toi. Yeah, Geek Bequois, uh, and I could be wrong about this. So Geek Bequois, or, you know, if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, I'm sorry. Mais sinon, si vous êtes de la belle province, bonjour et merci pour votre spoiler for this episode. Caravast. No. Damn it. Frack you. So say we all. All right, this one is a five-cost ground unit. It is... Uh, villainy and command it is rook and rook is thrawn's assassin can you believe that can you believe it's Thra thrawn's assassin is here it's a three six 
Imperial. This sounds like a spoiler. I didn't know Thrawn was assassinated. Oh, oh, you mean his assassin. My bad. Cray, he possesses Rook as an assassin, yeah. which is a unique card, too. It's a rare. But it's shielded. It's a 3-6 shielded unit. When this unit deals combat damage to a non-leader unit while attacking, defeat that unit. What? Death touch? Yeah. Do we have yeah, death touch? Just assassination, basically. That's why he's Thrawn's assassin. And it's got shield on it? However, mm -hmm. keep in mind, and it has to be the one attacking, not dealing right. damage. That is an important element here. Yeah, it ha well, it yeah, it has to be attacking, not dealing damage, which means it doesn't trigger on blocks or if there are any other effects that say this unit deals damage because that will be a distinction between that versus that you can attack with this unit, I'm sure, going forward in, in lots of different cases. But that being said, shielded and six health. And that six is a pretty important break point when we're talking about cards, you know, like takedown, for example. Um, I, I like this card. It's in, it's interesting because it's very threatening when it hits the board, but it's also riskier than it looks because it doesn't do anything when it hits the board either. So you give up an action to develop this. And then you also kind of have to pray that it survives long enough that you do get to do something or you have to be playing it in a deck where you can try to get some immediate action from it, right? So if you're talking about um, a deck that might be focused on cards that have three or less power, for example, then maybe this uh, gives you some, some additional stuff. Like, for example, Grand Inquisitor, right? The shielded doesn't matter for his deal two damage to it and then you could turn around and attack with him right away i i think that this card is a slam dunk and i'll tell you why because a five drop three six is so so it's the shielded aspect and the fact that when it attacks whatever it's clashing into is going to get gobbled up and eaten it's a very expendable unit in my opinion because you're in my opinion i don't think you're getting additional value and yes it's going to take time to develop and it's going to take time to swing with it However, when this hits the board, it is a record scratch full stop for your opponent to reevaluate their position and what the hell they're going to do about it. Because if there's something on the board that they covet and this thing arrives, you are now saying, all right, shift gears. We're going to try to figure out how to deal with this. Or can we even deal with it? This is a card I feel like you might surprise onto your opponent slow play it a little in a particular phase you slow play it and when they're when they're maybe exhausted out of resources or they don't have the resources necessary maybe you drop it on the board and now they panic a little bit because maybe they make unreasonable trades into it in order to get the shield gone so that it can't just free trade into you i think that this card is a is a mild panic situation for a lot against a lot of decks yeah, so there is one other thing that I want to mention about this because there's been, a, I think, a healthy amount of discourse, and, and I think that's good for the game, that's why I say healthy, about whether or not some of the rare bases are even worth it, right? Is the five health worth the activation? This is a card that when I saw it, I immediately went, oh, that's why Energy Conversion Lab is a rare base minus five health. So if you're not familiar or you don't remember what that rare base did, it is the command base. So it already matches one of your aspects. And the epic action is you can play a unit that costs six or less from your hand and give it ambush for this phase. So the whole thing I was talking about, about like it doesn't do anything when it hits the board, you have to do the setup. 
Granted, it's an epic action. It's only once per game, but that might be all you need. That is a very big swing play. Massive swing play. Absolutely. And like you, there's a lot of there's uh, there's these bases that I, too, was thinking I'm like, I might just want that five extra health. Uh, and it's it's worth evaluating. But this is the first type of peanut butter and jelly play that you're talking about. And I really, really like it. But I am all about Rook. And I think that Rook is pretty damn nasty. Because if I, if I can just instill the fear of Thrawn in my opponents by dropping this and completely changing their game plan... I'm all about it because the shielded aspect, the six butt on it, it's going to take some work to actually deal with this or your or it's fishing out a, a, a spot removal out of your opponent. If they've got a point click delete for this, fine, no problem, because I'm probably playing three rooks and I'll just drop another one next turn and you have to panic about it again. That's from Guy Becois. Geek Becois. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. We got one more. All right, so. The next one is uh, another card that I love for a lot of flavor reasons, but also it kind of bothers me for flavor reasons. So without further ado, we finally get our Gamorrean Guards. This is a four cost ground unit in cunning, single aspect cunning, has a four four body, only has the underworld tag and has uh, the text that when you control another cunning unit, this unit gains Sentinel. So from a flavor standpoint, I love the idea that when they're in a pair, now the art, I also love the art, by the way, and the art does feature two Gamorrean guards, but I like the idea that you need more than one guard in place for them to be doing their job. And I love that, you know, it's Underworld, it's a 4-4 four, for four, 4, it's part of a, what appears to be a cycle in the common slots, etc. I just... It... <sighs> It was weird to me that this was in cunning because I guess when I think of like cunning characters, no, they're in not the Star cunning Wars universe, I don't think of Gamorrean guards. I understand why it's here because Jabba the Hutt is in cunning, Boba Fett is in cunning, all of that Jabba's palace stuff is in there, and you want to have that theme. But I was just like, man, th this is not a cunning unit. In fact, it's so not cunning that it needs a buddy to even do its job right. Remember when you and I were in Columbus, I think it was, for the the one of the events one of the i forgot which one it was it was a flesh and blood event that we were there for oh the rumble i think it was the rumble yes yeah might have been remember when we you and i were going through the convention center trying to figure out how to get out of it and how to find the dinner place that we were supposed to go to and meet up with majin and them this is us this artwork is us it's us being thinking that we got everything under control, that we're cunning. But in reality, we had no clue where the hell we were going, what we were doing. But we looked confident doing it. And I think that's what the Gamorrean guards are. That when you look at us, you're like, oh, they've got it under control. No, we don't. We totally did not have anything under control. My phone was dying. I had no signal. You were walking around looking for stuff. We were getting bad advice from people about where to go. That is the Gamorrean guards. Um, the question is, Charmer, are you the one... With the vest, or are you full tarps off like the other dude? If you saw my recent spoiler video for Flesh and Blood, I am clearly tarps off. Tarps off indeed. All yeah. right. For, for those who don't know the context, uh, me and another podcast partner of mine did a spoiler reveal episode, and it featured me standing outside in negative like 13 degree Fahrenheit weather shirtless for a bit. So <laughs> It's pretty nasty. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Those are the Gamorrean guards. 
And that does it for the spoilers. So I think you're all caught up. Again, we're recording this on January 25th. This is currently 9 p.m. Eastern time. Anything after this, we are not responsible for. Um, Main topic is basically we kind of were all over the place, so we don't have a fully developed thing. We are going to get into, once all the cards are revealed, do a nice set breakdown for you, evaluate cards. We're still going to talk about ideologies of the decks. It's just um, our good friend Doa is... um, is traveling currently with baby which is uh, and he's going he's rolling solo so it's not an easy trek for him so he is uh he's out there out and about so let's uh let's just again recap the fact that we are now ice cave radio our mascot is a is an abominable swoo man named wampo and we now have a cave pole not a wampa cave pole we still have a bad feeling mailbag. We still got that. But again, the rebrand, we're thinking about the future. We're thinking about, you know, people out there, tell us what you want. Do you want play mats? Do you want shirts? We have shirts. We were doing we're rocking some shirts, but we just want to make sure that we're not ruffling any feathers. Not that we were before, but just in case, down the line, we want to make sure that we are keeping the spirit of the show alive without sort of stepping on any proverbial toes that might uh, hinder future opportunities. That's that's it, right? Yeah, we have not officially in any capacity upset the huts, but we're learning the secret handshake just in case. Correct. Now, if you'll notice, uh, if it hasn't happened already, it, it, it probably has, but the Twitter is now Ice Cave Radio, at Ice Cave Radio. Uh, what's our new email address? The email address is, well, first I want to say, if you are still trying to contact us for whatever reason uh, and you, you send it to the old one, I've already set up forwarding, so it will no, still no, no. get to us. You can't give them a safety net like that. You have to... Inst- I, I, okay, well, anyway. You shouldn't have told them uh, that. <laughs> but the, the point is, the new one is very simple. It is just icecaveradio at gmail.com. Wonderful. Very, very easy to remember. Just icecaveradio at gmail.com. You might see, I don't know the how this works with our RSS feeds and all that stuff, but we're going to be changing the name, and it's the same people, the same content, the same passion, just opening up future opportunities for us and for you. So when we're out there and we're like, hey, we have some playmats to give away, or we've got some tokens, some, some Ice Cave uh, Radio tokens... We don't have to sort of potentially fight the mouse and desperately lose. Yeah, I mean, you don't win that fight. No, we might cheer at it and stay alive until the end of the phase, but no, there's no, there will not be a carabast. <laughs> no, I mean, we would just get waylaid. We, we, we wouldn't even be like defeated. We would just disappear. <laughs> yeah, the mouse is the only one who can operate at instant speed. That's, that's how it goes. So there you have it. That's the main topic. But we do have, hey, yeah. I was just about to say, uh, what would you say if? Oh, you're asking you, me you now. Had, yeah. What would you say if you had a, a well-known and beloved podcast, and then suddenly you get a phone call from an unknown number, but you're curious, so you pick up the phone and you hear uh, a, a mouse on the other end. How, a a how, mouth how you, or a mouse? Uh, a mouse. I would imagine or, it's a mouth or, or, on the other end. Or, or well, I mean, yeah, there's uh, 
a, a mouth of a mouse or maybe it's not the mouse maybe the mouse doesn't even do his own dirty work maybe it's goofy maybe he's just like yuck you're <laughs> yucked and <laughs> i just picture and, uh, I, I answer the phone and it's like see you in court ha ha i'd be like damn right. it so anyway what would you say to that <laughs> i would say that uh i have a very bad feeling about this i got a bad feeling about this I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about okay. it. Quiet. All right, it is uh, the bad feeling mailbag. That, we still have. We still got that, and it's great. Well, we're full of bad feelings. That's we're... why we have Wampo the Sad Clown Abominable Swoo Man. Wah, wah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Bonk. Yeah, the little nose honk whenever something bad happens, you know, and you just like, you know that those hot dogs are filled with sodium and have absolutely no nutritional value. Wampo. Ho, ho. <laughs> okay uh i got an email um to icecaveradio at gmail.com and it is from jason rodney jason rodney says hello guys i've been trying to guess the number six leader as i am thinking about something uh as i am thinking about something has dawned on me or as i am thinking something has dawned on me why is Mace Window Window? God damn. Again, that is Doa, the ghost of Doa, just infiltrating my bones here. Why is Mace Windu a ground unit? Most of the cards are around a new hope era. Then it comes to me. Is this a tell? Did Mace survive the battle with the Emperor? By the way, I believe the next leader is Darth Maul. What are your thoughts? Thanks for reading. Thank you, Jason. So why is Mace Windu a ground unit? I mean, he got flung out of a window, making him a space unit or a air unit to a degree. Um, I, I mean, he's a Jedi, so I'm going to give you the spot-on response here, which is a Jedi is a ground unit, and that's what he does. But do you want to dig into all the speculation about everything well, after that so yeah i mean there's there's a couple of things here one i think the question is more so that a lot of the other characters seem to be from a very specific era when we talk about this set and so seeing mace windu uh, i think our friend jason here is asking does this mean that mace survived to that era and this is something i've joked about for a long time because again i keep going to back to if darth maul can get cut in half and come back anybody can <laughs> and uh, I like Mace Windu. I would like to see more Mace Windu. And there's also that very important line when Yoda disappears and, you know, they're telling the Emperor, well, he must be dead. And he says, if there's no body, then he's not dead. And we never got to see Mace's body. So in my mind, he's still out there somewhere. But he's in this set because I think that they wanted to include reminders of the other eras, even though this is kind of era focused right now. They wanted reminders from the other eras to let you know that, one, not every set will just always be from a specific era, and two, we're going to cover those other ones in the future. That's why we see art from prequels on Vigilance and some of those other cards, but that's also why we see Count Dooku, right? It's not just Mace Windu. We do have other ground units and other characters from different eras, even in set one. Um, so I, I think that's why. But I'm with you. In my mind, Mace uh, did survive. And you can't tell me otherwise until I, you show me your body. Look, and, and this is the thing, and it's a standard, tr you know, movie trope or TV show trope. Unless you see a body, you don't know. It's the comic book, standard comic book, you know, is that nobody stays dead except 
Uncle Ben. That is the comic book move, and I think that's the only one that's really stayed true to it. Uh, beyond that, is he alive? I think if anybody could be alive, it's him. I think that flinging him out of a window is n- by no means a way to kill him. I think that he's also wise enough, wherein if he fl- got flung out of a window, knowing that the rest of everything has gone, you know, Pete Tong on this, and it's all crazy. I think the move you do for Mace Window is you 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 hide. You mm-hmm. you um, kind of connect with trusted sources. You gather yourself, and then you form some sort of resistance to it. You start putting the groundwork for a rebellion, for that kind of thing. I would not be surprised, honestly, if he was – I mean, we've seen Rebels, and we've seen all that, but I honestly would not be surprised if – if there was a, a some kind of story arc, and keep in mind also, I think that Marvel has honestly just started, uh, just announced Mace Windu number one. He's going to get his own comic book series, which is canon. So we might find out what the hell happens. I would not be surprised if that comic book series is a lot of the preamble, a lot of the side missions that were going on. But if it's like a 20 or 30 issue run, I would also not be surprised if issues like 27 through 30 or what happens when he gets when he confronts the emperor and then what happens after and you're going to find out he's alive. I think that that they wouldn't I don't think they would put that comic book if there wasn't a gigantic reveal. But again, if there's anybody who can do it, it's uh, him. I we're already way off the rails for the show anyway. So I would love to see a story and I've long said this that you got to put yourself in Mace's shoes, right? He gets flung out of a window, taken by surprise. They didn't think any Sith was present. Turns out there was one of the most powerful ones right under their nose the whole time. Uh, Anakin had just been forced on the council. So you start second guessing that. Is he in on it or not? And then if you don't know who you can trust, I think the move is to go into exile and... I would love to see a story where Mace almost is doing the Star Wars version of the trope that we've seen other shows do uh, based on that very famous story of a soldier, a Japanese soldier during World War II that didn't know the war like had ended for 30 years. I would love like to see a story where Mace Windu is in like self-exile and he was so cut off out of like not being able to trust anyone that he doesn't even know there was a rebellion. He's just thinking the worst. And then through the force, somebody connects with him and that explains why he was missing through rebels and whatever. Well, I think that like has potential. Think about it this way. I mean, Obi-Wan is goes to Tatooine. He doesn't he does he's not shrouded in like for example, Yoda goes to Dagobah, doesn't give up on the force. He is merely masked by the amount of dark side forces and like evil that's on that on that planet, which essentially shrouds his presence. You can't it's like a cloaking mechanism. Obi-Wan goes to Tatooine, doesn't cloak or doesn't um doesn't have anything to really shroud his force usage away, so he just abandons it. He kind of like stops using it, but he's there to watch over Luke. Beyond that, you've got Luke Skywalker who then exiles to Octo, right? Just way off, like, and his protection is that he's way off even the star charts. Like, he, they can't even find him. Like, there's the map isn't there. They don't even know where the hell he is. Mace, it seems like this is something that they've all kind of spoken about. This is kind of a contingency plan where when everything goes wrong, this is what you do. Like, here are your marching orders. If everything, if, if, we, if we lose the council, if we lose the, the, the Senate, if we lose Coruscant, 
this is the this is the move. It's hide, wait, and trust the force. Like we'll find each other somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on some random out outer rim planet. You know, God knows doing God knows what. Like you said, maybe he completely cut himself off. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's found. And like you said, he thinks that the Empire's still around, or he doesn't know where how things went because it took him six months to a year to find where he needs to be. He kept tabs on things, and eventually he's like, he loses contact, you know? With well, and even further, you know, if you're talking about, let's say he doesn't go into complete exile right away, you're right. Yoda went and masked himself, and Obi-Wan kind of is masking himself, right? So even if he is trying to, like, reach out through the Force, he's not finding his old friends either. He might think he's truly cut off. And I so think I, yeah. I think there's a lot there. And the only thing the only reason I don't want him to be around again is because it like it's happened so many times and I'm still anticipating for Cad Bane to come back and I think that that's a good thing cuz I think Cad Bane should have been like this this like big bad not on maybe on not on Thrawn levels but if you're doing a Tatooine centric kind of Mandalorian Boba Fett arc he should have been a bigger player in it, so I hope he's back. But you're right. The, the only reason I don't want him back, as cool as he is and as plausible as it may be, is that it's just been done to death. And I, I just some, – some characters need to stay dead. And don't – like it's, it's, not, yeah. it's not worth it, I think. It's definitely not worth it. Now, on the other hand, do I believe that Darth Maul is another leader? I think that we are going to get a, a. I think we're going to get a bunch of Darth Mauls. I just don't think that Darth Maul is the leader. That's just, yeah. I think it would be weird as a leader. Um, but you know that's. I I feel like it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I guess it, it like it's not. But it does feel weird just because the leaders have been very era centric. Like, yes, there are other, you know, units and references to the other eras, but all of the leader choices for this first set do feel like they are centered around that spark of rebellion, like what the the set is named. And I, I would be surprised if he was a leader. We shall see. Well, thank you, Jason Rodney, again, for that submission. I think you have one more, right? You yes, got, we, we have we have another official. uh <laughs> We have an official one. So this comes from a good friend of ours uh, named Jordan Kennedy. And we were having a discussion uh, via text, and he was asking about uh, what we call our listeners, right? Because a lot of, uh, you know, whether it's creators or shows or whatever, sometimes they have like a nickname for, for their fans. You know, essentially, he was asking the equivalent of what is the... Uh, the cave Swifties, if you will. And he'd even thrown, thrown out some uh, examples. He, he said, uh, uh, he started with uh, pre-ordered a couple of cases of Star Wars Unlimited. So first of all, to me, that's the absolute kindest compliment that you can give me ever is that you got into a game because of me, because that means that I made you excited about the things I love. So thank you there. But then he says, and am officially a Wonka radio Wookiee. That's what he started with. Wonka? Like that, the chocolate yes, maker? Yes, yes. Wonka radio Wookiee. This was the text. I, I know I'm putting you on blast right now, Jordan, but that's what you sent me. Uh, and then he says, that's what I'm calling your fans. 
And so I said, well, you know, we're in the middle of a small kind of like rebranding thing. So I, I, I don't know exactly what we're going to call things, but no spoilers or whatever. Um, and then so our, he gets so he comes with, well, what are fans called now? I got to refine my identity. And he said, you're a Hoth jockey and where are your Hoth hounds? And then I said, well, you know, no spoilers, but like we're getting a, a new name for the mascot. But, you know, we've never officially talked about what we'll call our, our listeners. And so then he posed the he said, well, official consider this an official Ice Cave radio listener question. What is the name that you have for your listeners? Um, and then he's he's trying to throw it in. He goes or, you know, you can call it a house hound question if you want. But no, no you're, it's definitely not hot. Not a hot. It's too hard question. to say. I'm, not, I'm slurring my words. I sound like I've been drinking too much green milk no. when I say that. Uh, I would love to hear the Quebecers that I grew up with pronounce Hothound because it's, <laughs> it would not work out. Okay, so as a content creator for many years, same with you, streamer, uh, I've seen a lot of people, like you mentioned, that have names for the people who watch them. I tried it, and it just ne it just never felt right because I just say for I just call people friends. That's just the way it is. I say friend of the show or this or that, and that's just the way it was. However, for this, I people refer to us as like the Wampas, and I think that that's just a big family of Wampas. I think that for Ice Cave Radio, if you're a fan and a listener of Ice Caves Radio, you're part of the Wampa crew. You are one of the wampas in the in the ice cave with us, having a good time, or, or whatever abominable snow creature you want to be. If you want yeah. to be a yeti, sure. You want to be the abominable swooman, have at it. Like uh, the, you don't even have to be a furry one. If you want to be a minock or something, like you, you can, can do you be a hairless wampa if you want in the ice cave radio. However, that, like that's the way I think about it. Like when I say something like, uh, if I would refer to it, it'd be like, oh. We've got a giveaway for all the Wampas who are listening and stuff like that. Like, that's, that's just kind of – it's this very simple way, and it's not like we're infringing on anything. We're just calling some people some really cool creatures from the Star Wars universe, you know? I think that – I mean, I, maybe this is a question for our listeners, for the Wampas out there. What do you want to be referred to as? I mean, you're already our friends. You're already, you know – great people and great supporters except for you and you know who you are if you're oh, listening for sure for sure for specifically sure. you definitely you but for everyone else <laughs> um do you do you like being referred to as wampas do you want something else put your suggestions out there in the chat because ice cave radio has a really cool crew of people who support us and we are ever thankful especially from you, Jordan Kennedy. So if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Charmer, give us your, read out your, uh, your, your phone number real quick so people can text you their questions. Oh, oh you know, sure. I, I got it. Let me just read it out real yeah, quick. Yeah, hold on. Um, <laughs> I just got to remember what my Canadian area code Stop is. Stop it. Don't you dare. <laughs> For the record, friends, please do not text us, but we are very, very open. Uh, you can email us at, at icecaveradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at icecaveradio. Myself, at watchflake, or my uh, doofus counterpart here is at thatcharm3r. And then you can get in touch with us. It has been a great, great time to be back. And I know that there is some cool stuff happening very freaking soon that we cannot wait to tell you about like super soon very soon but I, exciting i have to go to hartford first yeah 
I got to go to Hartford first. I have to be sad about not going to Hartford. I will win that event for you. I, I hope you do. I really do. I will win that for event what for it's you. Worth, uh, if people want to know exactly how exciting this this other thing is, the reason I'm not going to Hartford is because I only have uh, so many vacation days and I had to rebuild them after going to a lot of events at the end of last year. And I chose to use them for this other event instead of going to Hartford. That's how much it means to me. I agree. I agree. All right, friends. I think that uh, pretty much does it for episode number 32 of the show, which is now called Ice Cave Radio. Same show, same goons, different title. Less mouse hate. We're good. Charmer, would you like to set us up while I remind people, please follow along, hit the subscribe button, five stars, comment, all that stuff. It's free. It helps us out. goes miles. Charmer, walk us out of this party. May the force be with you. <laughs>